Hey, it's a rare event this week on No Driving Gloves. We have everybody here, the regular hosts, John, Derrick, and Will. What's happening, guys? Just hanging out, talking to y'all. Just recording another episode of No Driving Gloves, John. Boy, you guys are excited tonight, we can tell. Can't can't contain you, can't shut you up. Oh, it's going to be a good night. Of course. I'm I'm going to say, you know, Will had a real uh, has a real excuse, we'll say. He's been partying in Vegas for the last week or so. Yeah, this time delay stuff, it's 2 weeks beyond SEMA for your poor listeners, but Will still uh, probably uh tired, we'll say. Not hungover, just tired. He he would yeah, ne- he would, it never touch a drop of alcohol. Oh, uh, you know, actually, I drank. Uh, I brought I bought a twelve pack of beer, put it in the refrigerator at the house that we had rented, and I drank one out of it. Um, I'll put it this way: it, there was some early mornings and late nights, but it it wasn't for partying. It was. You know, we were we were spread pretty thin with, you know, just stuff going on at the show and then after the show and uh, so I you know I didn't do a whole lot of partying this year. Did you have two cars out there or three? Our two. vehicles two. Okay. Two. Yeah, we had uh, the forty-two Chevrolet truck and then a fifty-five First Series Chevrolet truck. Now, if I if I remember right, uh, Will, uh, think you uh, might have uh, won something uh, kind of special with the forty-two uh, Chevy pickup, didn't you? Uh, yeah, we did. It was it was the uh, uh, let's see the General Motors Design Classic Vehicle of the Year. So they give out they give out six uh, awards. GM Design does or you know, GM performance. It's the designers from General Motors that actually do the picking and stuff. So they give out one for best use of crate engine, best use of parts and accessories, uh, the designer, the head designer pick, truck of the year, car of the year, and then classic vehicle of the year. The classic vehicle of the year is the one that everybody's shooting for, being that it's everybody kind of lumped and I may be wrong, but I think that's the first time a truck has ever won Classic of the Year. So it, it was a, a very, very, very huge honor to to receive that, especially with a you know a forty-two Chevy truck. They're kind of not they're not the truck that everybody wants to go build. That was that was really really cool. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. There's not a lot of forty-two trucks out there, are there? There, there's not, um, but you know, 42 through 47 first series are the same. You know, most of them are 46 and 47s that are that body style. But so I was going to yeah. say we really didn't build a lot in 43, 44, and 45, other no. than other than for military use. Correct, correct. So I mean, there wasn't. There's still, you know, like you said, there's not a lot of those trucks out there, um, but they're just not the. You know, they're not the prettiest trucks that came from General Motors. Uh, probably as far as vintage trucks go, probably uh, the one of the least desirable ones. Um, so, you know, to take one and, and make it that nice and, and change the things we changed on it to make it more appealing to the eye, well, was, you know, to me says a lot that, that the designers at General Motors thought that as well. Is that kind of why you think you might have won the award? Is you took a beast and made it a beauty? Or, I mean, the truck is good looking. It's, it's you know, definitely a unique look. You know, like you said, it's not desirable. But, you, you know, first time I saw it, it was still in bare metal and, on a chassis jig, you know, you guys were setting ride height and building, build, building the underbody of it. Really, the stuff you don't see. Do you think? Like, answer that question. I got another one. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I really, I really didn't get that detailed with them. 
but I'm sure that had, you know, because being a, being a designer, you always look at something and you want to improve it no matter what it is. So, um, I think, you know, they probably looked at it and they're like, you know, I don't, I don't really care for those trucks that much, but man, there's something special about that one. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure that had something to do with it. You know, it don't take near as much work to make a, you know, a, a 67 Corvette to be outstanding or a 69 Camaro to be outstanding. So to, to take, a take what we call an ugly duckling truck and to make it desirable looking, I'm sure that that was part of their decision too. You know, it's like, I'm going to date myself here, but it's tradition, I guess it's traditional that, you know, you take Bo Derrick, it's easy to make her appealing to people. You take Roseanne Barr, it takes a little bit more work, and that's kind of what, no offense, that's kind of what you were dealing with. Exactly. Okay, 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 I got to stop you guys here, because maybe this maybe this says something about me, but <clears throat> those uh, 42 Chevy trucks and the 46s, actually one of my favorite Chevy GM truck styles ever. Um, I'm actually, it's, it's one of the trucks I hope to have in a collection one day. Go ahead. Make fun of me. I, I mean, I'm not going to make fun of you because I think, you know, to me, there really wasn't hardly any Chevrolet trucks that were an ugly duckling. And, and I'm a, I'm a big art deco guy. So, I mean, that those trucks are the epitome of art deco. I mean, that rig, grill that looks like a locomotive coming down the road and you know just a bunch of little things here and there that that they really got a bunch of neat factory things done to it and that's one of the things that we've done with that truck was we took the factory styling which was really heavily art deco influenced and made everything that way you know, if it didn't have two or three ribs running in it, we'd, we'd put two or three ribs in it, just like the bumpers. Um, the bumpers have ribs in it now. Uh, the the switches in the in the cabin for, you know, the ignition switch and air condition switch and stuff like that. And, um, so we kind of made it like a, a hot rod Art Deco-y style. So kind of mixed the two and... Apparently, General Motors liked it. So <laughs> now, that that was going to be my question: is you know we've talked about your dart before, or the dart you did a few years ago, and the little subtle things you did that make that car stand out. This you know two degree rake to the roof, or relocating the front tires two inches, or the you know recentering the wheel wells, things like that. Can you, off the top of your head, pick three things? on this Chevy that we might not notice that you, you know, you think maybe made the biggest impact to it. And of course we'll post some pictures of it up on Facebook and Instagram. So the listeners then can look at the pictures and go, Hey, uh, you know, I would have missed that. You know, you're real. I guess what I'm saying is big Oak garage is really good at doing subtle things that unless you're told they exist, you never know it. And, like you said, the ribs on the air conditioning switches and things like that are yeah. so easily overlooked. Correct. Um, yeah, that you're right. That that to me, that's what defines a big oak garage is somebody that don't know those vehicles or that car, and they look at ones that we build and they go, man, I like that, but I don't generally like that particular car, you know? Um, but three things on that truck. Um, one of them that's huge to me is there's a piece of trim that goes all the way around the grill where it meets the front fenders. All right. That's something that they, they, they did not have from the factory. Um, but the way that that grill, it's not, it, it, it's kind of rolls the way, you know, on the edges, it's not a really sharp point. So to get that gap between the fender and the grill perfect, we would have had to have reshaped every grill bar in the grill. So we elected to make a piece of trim that hides that gap between the fender 
and the grill, all right? And you talk about really, really, really cleaning up the front end of that truck. And a lot of people have missed that. They don't notice that. Another thing is, is we widened the cow just a little bit and made new door skins and made new hood sides to get the, to get the truck to flow really, really smooth. Uh, they all dipped in right there at the cow, kind of like a 33 Ford. You know, the body's got this really nice roll going, and then it gets to the cow, and then to the hood sides. The hood sides are just straight, you know? So we wanted it shaped essentially like a football, you know, from the back of the cab all the way to the grill. Uh, so that was that was a major modification, but it didn't... You know, it didn't change the overall look of the truck other than it just made it more smoother, slicker, straighter. The third one would be, which I thought everybody would see this, but not many people have really noticed it, are the stake pockets. Um, instead of the stake pockets just having one little curve to them and then flattening out and being just like sawed off on the bottom, we actually made them more like an hourglass where they actually curve back into the bottom of the bedside. Um, so they're not open at the bottom and they're closed off and just got a, a really neat curvature and, and style to them. So that would be, that would be the, it, well, there's, there's actually one more that's huge that nobody's really, the guys that really know the trucks notice them, but nobody else does is we made new rear fenders. Um, the rear fenders on those trucks look like they come off of a Dodge or something. They just didn't fit the truck at all. So we made new rear fenders. Uh, we didn't start with anything, an, another fender or anything like that. We started with flat sheet metal and made new rear fenders that have the same highlight lines as the front fenders. So, you know, the front fenders and the rear fenders now match like, you know, like they should have from the factory, in my opinion. So those those are four things that weren't easy to do. The rear fenders were obviously major, major, major modification, but it was subtle little changes that just really make the truck what it is. And all, of course, all that stuff took you, what, two, three months? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hell, heck, we've done it in a week. What are you talking about? <laughs> it was a two and a half year build on that truck. I remember if any of the listeners do want to go back and go to the Facebook page, you can watch the video I shot a little over a year ago from Big Oak Garage uh, during their open house. Well, well, I told people, I assume you were too busy. You were a little bit too busy to have... Uh, the open house this year, but that truck does appear in all its naked glory, steel and, like I said, up on that frame rack and no paint, no interior. And correct me if I'm wrong, was that the truck that you were putting a rear glass in or something right before the show, or was that a different one? I know uh, your glass supplier came through with a windshield or something right before you left for SEMA. Was it for that truck? Or uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was for the 55 first series truck. So I'm, I'm really pretty good friends with Carmen that owns AM hot rod glass and, um, her, she does acrylic windshields and she got started in the, um, offshore racing boat. Um, whatever you call it, uh, series or industry, whatever you want to call it. And um, then she got into making a few Bonneville canopies and things like that. And um, and now she's actually into the automotive industry as well. And so we've become pretty good friends over the last several years. And, and she was looking for something to showcase in her booth, you know, a flush fit application in a vehicle that was already finished, um, that you didn't have to modify the body to do a flush fit uh, windshield installation. So, um, we got to talking and I was like, well, you know, I can do this 55 first series Chevrolet truck and it'll be a one piece curved windshield. And I can, I think I can pull it off. 
And uh, so she's like, all right. So she uh, made a windshield for it, sent it to me, and we got it uh, Saturday morning. And we had to have it in the vehicle done by Tuesday night before we went home. If anybody's ever done that before, you you know that that is, uh, that is a lot of work to do in two days. Uh, one, you got a finished vehicle. So you can't scratch it. You can't bump it. Um, you have to be very, very cough, uh, careful and cautious. Um, and then she sends you the glass, the windshield oversized. So you have to trim it to fit that opening perfectly uh, because we didn't put rubber around it or anything like that to hide the gap. So it had to be cut perfectly. And, you know, we pulled it off in two days, which was uh, very proud of, of Gavin and for, for sticking with me during the whole time we'd done it. But anyway, it worked out pretty well and, and we made it and people had a really, really good response at, at SEMA. So a uh, good enough response to where the owner of the truck, we're actually going to do the, the two back glass or the three back glass that way as well. Cause it's a five window cab. Well, it does sound like you've had a, very relaxing last couple of weeks. Derek was complaining uh, in the pre-show about uh, working his butt off and staying busy, and then he texts some picture of him driving. Uh, I didn't look at the year. Hold on. Don't don't spoil it, Derek. Uh, text some picture of that. Yep, that's what I was thinking. Driving some 58 Corvette on track. <laughs> and Are you still there, Derek? Yeah, I was waiting for an actual question. Oh, I wasn't going to ask ask you a question. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, so you're just you're just wanting to make fun of me for you know having to drive one of our Corvettes from the museum collection on on the motorsports park track. Is that what you're saying? I, I believe you do the same thing sometimes, John. No, I don't drive on your motorsports park track. I drive on our motorsports. No, you park drive track. on your motorsports <laughs> park track. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, no, it's, it's actually a, um, uh, I don't think I texted the year, although, you know, if you're, if you're a true car guy, I would think you would know what year Corvette that was because there was only one year that they made the hood look like that. But there's also only one year that they put those, uh, chrome strips on the trunk lid also. Mm -hmm. And I identified that correctly. Did I not? Okay, sorry about that, John. You broke up there. I didn't. I didn't catch all that. Oh, and I said, but I did identify the year correctly, did I not? I earlier referred to this as a '58 Corvette. Oh yes, it is a '58. I must have. It must have. Uh, I must have missed your comment. I don't know. I'm. My internet is breaking up a little bit. Okay, I apologize, but yes. Yet again, yet again, we have the wonderful Kentucky world of internet. But anyway, yes, uh, so, uh, I mean, well, Will's been slacking off. I've basically been um, working day in and day out, slaving hard at my desk and in the exhibit galleries and uh, trying to make the National Corvette Museum the best possible museum it can be, um, which includes, you know, having to take over the 1958 Corvette that we're taking down to, well, by the time this air, uh, show airs, that we had at the uh, Cigar City Concours uh, just outside of Tampa, Florida on uh, November 11th. Yes, we're, we're preparing cars to head out to show and, and do all those, some of the fun things we get to do at our job occasionally. Other than that, I've also, uh, uh, you know, uh, think, you know, was not here Last week, due to not only a illness, but also a, a death in my wife's family. So glad to be back and glad all that's behind and uh, ready to keep moving forward. You always put me in that uncomfortable situation. What am I supposed to say? I'm so, you know, <laughs> sorry of the illness and uh, I hope your wife's uh, doing okay. I, I knew you were out. I decla- you know, said personal reasons last week when we, Sean and I did the show on... Uh, nemesis labs and their simulators and that talk we've recently and with part of this new relaunch and trying to stick to this schedule and getting episodes out on time and 
focusing a little bit harder on on the show. And we have some very lighthearted, fun episodes, and we have some very educational episodes. I've heard a lot of compliments on the uh, Henry Ford, would Ford have survived without Ford episode that Derek and I did a couple of weeks ago, that it was a very educational, but a lot of people didn't know how influential Henry was. It's translated into a lot of new listeners, or at least a lot of new downloads. It's really hard to tell if you know the listeners are there, and we're getting... More and more Facebook engagement, a little bit more Instagram engagement. You know, I'm an old guy, and I don't do Instagram as much as I do Facebook. I guess I should give Zara the password and have her start doing some Instagram stuff for us, too. But we thought we'd take a little bit of this episode and devote to Will, because, you know, he did win a pretty big honor out at SEMA. And then we would quickly do kind of a just a little reintroduction of the the three core hosts, we're going to add Zara in for a few episodes, and Sean Yoder will probably guest a little bit also, trying to, like I said a couple of weeks ago, to try to always keep this three people. Is instead of Derek sitting there and boring you for 10 minutes about him, and then Will kind of livening it up just a little bit, talking about him for 10 minutes, and then me talking about me for 20, 25 minutes, I thought we would... Uh, turn the tables a little bit and have, I guess Zara described it to me as a third third person description. I think Will and I'll talk a little bit about Derek. Derek will talk a little bit, Derek and I'll talk a little bit about Will and Will and Derek will talk a little bit about me. I don't know. Who wants to get described first? I thought we were supposed to flip a coin for that before the show. Uh, we did, and I think Will won. He gets described first because Derek was a little bit threatening when this topic was pre-discussed, and I think Derek's going to get described last just so that he behaves. All right, all right, fine. <laughs> so we, so John and I have to describe Will right now. Is yeah, that, is kinda, that what I'm understanding? You know, here, I'm going to give you a little bit of a feeling of what I think about Will, and then Derek will kind of interject as I go or modify what I say and tell me I was wrong, and then I guess Will can agree or disagree. Or I've known Will for, well, we were just talking before the show, 20th anniversary car show's coming up, so Will and I have probably known each other 20, 21 years, and I knew him when he was a aspiring restoration technician, you know, kind of set in his, his ways, partying college student. Uh, we can't really discuss how he lived his dorm life. Uh, <laughs> he he did attest to that also in some of the pre-show conversations and wondering if some of the stuff still left in his old dorm room. And say, when I met Will, didn't have a clue where Alabama was. Only remembered he was in Alabama because he used to talk about gas prices and they were so cheap in Alabama. And I think at the time, we were, you know, 80 cents, 86 cents a gallon. And in Kansas, they were a buck or something. Late 90s, it <laughs> different time there. And then we just kind of parted ways. We graduated. He went his way. I went my way. We might have encountered each other a couple of times. And then when I'm somehow 10 years, 12 years later, no, well, let's see here. We graduated in 2000, 2008. I uh, moved to Kansas, or excuse me, moved to Alabama. I forget where I live in uh, 08, 09 kind of reached out to Will, and we've touched touched base, and we'd conversed a couple times, and I drove up to his uh, to Big Oak Garage and visited his shop, and I've taken some car clubs there on tours and that, you know, just kind of cool. He, he does some nice work, and I've uh, seen him at some car shows around, and big car shows and little car shows, and just, I think he does a, you know, a quick description of Will. He's a very honest guy. He's a very Southern guy. He's devoted to Alabama. I'm going to say the state. I'll leave the football teams and that out of it because we're a car podcast. But War Eagle. <laughs> they, we, <laughs> wait, wait, wait till we have an episode without Derry can be Zara and Will, and they talk about their youth, and they grew up in similar areas of the state. You know, he's just da- down to earth. He runs his shop differently than I've ever heard anybody running a shop, but it works for him. He's very successful at it. He turns out 
some of the nicest cars in the country. You know, I think he's on the rise. He doesn't have a TV show to make him a household name in that. I think a lot of the big-time builders, the ones that pass through work, and, I, you know, I kind of always try to plug the podcast to anybody I can and, you know, mention I work with, you know, Will from Big Oak Garage, and a lot of people know who, who I'm talking about. I'm kind of proud to know this guy. We talked about his 42 Chevy, where the little cues and the stuff that he pays attention to. Zara and I were talking about the Dart before or earlier this evening, and he, she thought we were talking about a Fiat Dart, you know, the, the late model thing. And I said, oh, no, this. And this is what he changed. And I just went through, like I said, the short list of all the little things on the car. And he just has an eye for detail and can take an artist's rendering and a customer's dream and make it reality. While he is the levity of the podcast, I admire him. And Will is just Will. What you hear on here is the way he is. Probably a better guy myself for knowing him. <laughs> hate, hate to be hate, hate to be gushy, <laughs> but but he is. I mean, he's he's just a great guy. I've always known him. He's always there. He'll help anybody. He'll answer any question. And whatever happens, happens. And he's a perfect example of, you know, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to do what I want. What happens, happens. And somehow success happened for him. And I wish him all the all the luck in the world and hope he continues with the podcast for quite some time now. And now I also have his eulogy. If he passes away before me, I'll just replay this episode. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I don't, I don't plan on uh, quitting the podcast and I sure as heck don't plan on quitting building hot rods. So I appreciate all that, John. That was, that was, that was mighty nice of you. Your turn, Derek. I know you have a hard time saying nice things about Will. I do. I do. I didn't know we were going to have to get so emotional about it. Um, No, uh, I mean, I've I've only known Will for literally maybe a week longer than we've been doing this podcast. So a little over a year and a half. And uh, the the first time I ever talked to Will was on a conference call between John, myself and Will to discuss this crazy idea of a podcast. And uh, it was Literally the second day of moving into my new house here in Kentucky. And so we were unloading a a truck as I was holding the phone, talking to these two guys. And I knew from the moment Will started talking that we would hate each other for life. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, no, Will, Will uh, came off as a, a uh as john said just a laid back great southern guy great sense of humor all those good things of course i didn't know a lick of a thing about the work he did about big oak garage any of that just because i'm not in that circle of hot rotting and and all of that so i had to do some quick research and about will and figure out what he does and and who he is and learned very quickly that he is an extremely talented hot rodder, very talented in, in the business of, of working on cars, no matter what it is. I don't want to classify him strictly as a hot rodder because I'm sure if someone threw a restoration at will and wanted it done exactly back to the way it should be, he could pull it off. He has that skill. He has a great knowledge base. I'm just really impressed with uh, who Will is as a person and also what he can do in the industry, you know, and then had the opportunity to actually meet him. You know, he actually decided one of his trips to Bowling Green, he would actually come to the museum and meet me face to face. It was, it was just so, it was just so we could punch each other. Well, exactly. I mean, we got in a little fist fight on the boulevard and yeah, I mean, uh, whatever, (laughs) you know, we made up afterwards, right? That's right. But, uh, yeah, and then had the opportunity to go to his shop, really impressed with the shop. Of course, Will being the guy he is helped out the Corvette museum as well, you know, gave us a great deal on, on his old paint booth to help us out and uh, work that out. So, I mean, he's always willing to, to help out, um, always willing to just see, really see the hobby and the industry and this, you know, profession, everything that it is 
move forward in the way that it needs to move forward and not be one of the deceitful people in the industry, which I think is, is says a lot about Will. So I, I think that's how I would describe Will. Is that how you think of yourself, Will, or is that a... Or are we just totally off base? <laughs> I got these guys suckered. Yeah, I, I would say that's pretty close. I appreciate y'all throwing me out there to help everybody. You know, they're going to be, my phone's going to be ringing off the hook and I'm going to be going all over the place helping people I don't know. <laughs> but that's fine. I mean, I, I've done it. I've done that so many times, just be going down the road and see an old car on the side of the road and just stop and see what I can do to help them or anything like that. But, yeah, I remember back in Ohio uh, last year, you know, on the way home from uh, our way back to the hotel, you guys stopped and helped, uh, you know, a stranded guy on the side of the road, leaving good guys. Yep. And you had a dinner engagement with 20 other people, but you you helped you help them and made us stand at the dang restaurant because <laughs> I drove by that same broke down car. <laughs> well, you know, it's just something but, that my my dad did when I was growing up and I have never forgotten that, you know, if it's, if there's a, if there's an old car on the side of the road, you know what, you've got something in common with that guy. And, and it's something pretty cool. You know, y'all both like old cars. He may have just bought the car and don't know nothing about it. And you might could stop and give him a hand. You know, it's happened to us, you know, fellow hot rodders have stopped on the side of the road to help, to help us get, you know, out of the road or, or, you know, even have a spare part in their car that worked on our car. And, you know, we it always resorts back to 90% of the people out there that mess with cars are just generally good people. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. Well, we got through Will, and I already said we're going to do Derek last. So I guess uh, I'm, in for my, I'm in for my just desserts. All right. Are you ready for your beat down? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, I guess I'll start. Like John said earlier, uh, we've known each other for, you know, 20 years, 21 years, met each other through McPherson College. John didn't live on campus like most of us did. He actually lived in a, a little neighboring community there of McPherson. And I don't know, two or three times a, a year, John would invite us to his house. And of course, a lot of us weren't old enough to drink. And but there was always, you know, you know, a few beers laying around and we'd have a few beers and John always had a project going on or something. And um, I remember he was building a Lotus in his garage at his house. And, uh, you know, and I'm thinking the whole way over there, I'm like, why in the hell would anybody want a Lotus? That's just kind of stupid, you know? Of course, I'm 18, 19 years old. The only thing I, you know, I grew up with, you know, pre-48 cars and try five Chevys, you know, to me, those are the coolest cars ever on the planet. So, you know, I'm thinking, why would you build a Lotus when you could build a 32 Ford? And so we, we get to John's house. It was in Hutch. Is that right, John? Yeah. Hutch, okay. Hutch, All, right. All right. So we, we get to Hutch and I see this car in his garage and there's really not a whole lot to it. And I'm thinking, man, this is, this is, this is pretty cool. You know, and so I really start talking to John about it. And I'm very interested in this car, you know. And so I can really thank you, John, for opening my eyes to other makes and models of cars that are cool. You know, I was very closed into what I thought was cool when I was when I was that age. Um, but really, you were the first person that. I, I respected that liked other stuff, you know, and it, it really made me think, you know, just because it's, it, I don't like it. Don't mean it ain't cool. And if you, if you give it a chance, there's a lot of cool things there that you just hadn't seen yet, you know? And I kind I've kind of always resorted back to that in, 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 in my business in, just like like when Willie brought us the Dart, I'm like, Willie, why do you want to build a Dart when you can build a Camaro? But you know that Dart, him letting us do what we'd done to it, it really 
made it, it opened a lot of other people's eyes to that type of thing too. So, so you being a little, I mean, different from me made me a better person as well because I'm not looking at somebody else's project going, why in the hell are you doing that? You know, I look at it now as that's going to be cool. So that's, that's to me, that's one of the, the, the coolest things about me knowing John and, um, and then getting to know him more, you know, you know, you were a Lotus guy then, and you're still a huge Lotus guy now sticking, sticking with what you like. And, you know, you've been, uh, you've been from Illinois and then moving to Alabama. We call them damn Yankees. You know that, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, now now wait will you're you're from the south now I, i've learned this because i moved from michigan to kentucky what i learned from a, a a very old kentucky woman who called me a damn yankee uh explained to me that a yankee is a person who visits the south correct a damn yankee is a, a northerner that moves to the south and doesn't know when to move back that's exactly right. <laughs> okay. So are you a Yankee or are you a damn Yankee? Uh she called me a damn Yankee. All right. So you don't you're not planning on moving back. Uh no, no, I'm I'm not. No. <laughs> I I like it here and I like my job and I like the weather and I like a lot of things about the South, okay? <laughs> it's it's the best kept secret. Quit telling everybody. Oh but uh, John will edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, John's just, John's the type of guy though, that if you ask him his opinion, you're going to get it regardless if it's what you want to hear or not, he's not going to hide behind something, tell you what you want to hear. And I really like that about John because I can ask him about something and he's going to give me his opinion. He's not just going to pat you on the back and say, yeah, that's a, you know, that looks fine or whatever. He's going to tell you what he thinks. That's a, that is a really good trait. I'm, I'm not so good about that. If you ask me what you, th what I think about something, I may beat around the bush a little bit. Um, but John's just going to come out and tell you, you know, what he thinks. And, um, and that's, uh, sometimes that's hard to do, but you don't have a problem with that. And uh, I think that's pretty neat too. So. That does have a tendency to get you into trouble, though. <laughs> well, or get me into trouble. Well, <laughs> you know, sometimes I guess sometimes it's it. You kind of need to bite your tongue some, but you know, I mean, I, I'm I'm glad you don't. I'm glad you are the way you are, and um, I think it it definitely makes for a better podcast too, because we can we can disagree, um, but at the end of the day, next Wednesday night we're going to be right back here and. Uh, agreeing or disagreeing again i won't i won't get into uh some other things i'll, I'll let derek go from here don't don't go into the emotional side man don't, <laughs> don't do it don't do it i was gonna go into the personal side so that's why i'm gonna stop and <laughs> let derek go <laughs> all right well um obviously i am the one who has not known these two guys as long as they've known each other but I have known John longer than I've known Will. John, I believe, if my memory serves me right, we met in 2009 at the 45th anniversary of the Mustang that was held at the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. That's correct. I was, uh, of course, in charge of bringing the Mustang prototype Mustang one prototype down to the barber for loan for I think it was about a week. And, uh, also had serial number one Mustang on loan to the barber for the event, and I got to be the person from Henry Ford Museum who brought the cars down. You know, got them in the building and did all the stuff to make sure they were safe. Talked to Mustang owners, except for when I got there, I had to you know meet people from the barber museum and and have one of them show me where the cars needed to be. And this guy's name was John, you know, total jerk about everything. No, no, I, I met John, you know, when we had to get the cars in place and, uh, you know, immediately he was really nice. You know, him and a couple of the other guys helped get the cars in place. I think if I remember right, you guys even cut down stanchions to go around the car because they were 
too tall and you guys felt like it it blocked the view of the cars. I was just blown away that you guys did all the extra work you did for the you know, Mustangs to be on display there. I mean, John and the guys there just would do anything they needed to do to make sure the cars were safe and secure and everything was up to you know, what it needed to be to have the cars there. Uh, John and I immediately kind of started talking cars and he showed me around the, the restoration shop and what they were doing don't really remember what car exactly you were working on the time at the time john but i'm pretty sure it was a lotus you know gave me a tour of the museum i think we went out to dinner and lunch multiple times that week just got to know each other had a great time chatting cars and goofing off and doing things that car guys do and after that you know didn't we stayed in touch i think uh, emailed a couple times and then um oh is that is that my uh, dinger for time's up I don't know where that came from. Oh, uh, dang it, Will, turn that off. That ain't that ain't me. <laughs> but no, anyway, that was, that, that was my dinger. I gotta go. No, all right. No, no, I'm kidding. Ah, <laughs> uh, the the roast is done, right? Yeah. Um. <laughs> but no, John. Um. Yeah, we stayed in touch for a while, and then I got involved uh, at Henry Ford Museum with the uh, Type 38 Lotus project and reached out to John and, and one of the other guys at the barber. They were a huge help. Again, just just like Will, you know, send an email to these, you know, to John and, and the guys there at the barber. And it was nothing but, you know, how can we help? You know, we have all these Lotus cars. We have a lot of Lotus information. How can we help you guys? You know, what do you need? Like Will and, and John said, it's, it's part of this hobby and it's part of being car guys we share a common interest it's all about helping each other john did whatever he could you know john even eventually came up and visited me once in detroit before i uh moved to cleveland so he came up and and uh, hung out up there and saw henry ford museum and uh did a few things while he was up there and you know we we kept in touch obviously uh over time just standard I guess, emails, things like that. And then all of a sudden, John throws out crazy idea to do this um, podcast and bring us all together. And yeah, I mean, it's it's just been uh, good times. And, you know, John's been nothing but uh, a great guy to talk to, a great guy to get to know, a great guy to talk cars with. Yeah, I mean, he, as Will said, he he's never afraid to tell you his opinion on something. I, I did learn that while I was in visiting him in, at the barber the very first time. And when he came to Detroit, the uh, the time he came to visit up there, um, you know, he, he, he made his opinions very clear on, on many topics. So like Will said, you know, we, we always know that's what to expect from John. And we may disagree, but we're always going to come back and, and still be friends and still be car guys that like to hang out. and talk cars so um you know he's he's a talented guy that well let me rephrase that he's a talented guy that not likes to not use his talent as much as he probably should yeah i'm gonna throw you under the bus there john he's he does some amazing work on the cars he works on he's an all-around good guy i think wouldn't you say will um halfway around good guy i'm not talking about his weight i was just saying i'm pretty round personality Oh, no, definitely. Mr. Mr. John's a, a great dude to know and and pretty well connected in the in the industry as well. I guess I'll thank you both. Oh, for oh, oh, wait, oh, wait. One more thing about you, John. John is the guy who taught me years before I moved to the South that everything down here that is what we would call pop in the North or, you know, soda in some parts of the country. Um, it's just referred to as a Coke <laughs> or an orange Coke or, uh, yeah, whatever else you can imagine. But you just ask for a Coke. And if you want a flavor, you got to throw the flavor in front of it. And it's still called a Coke. That is one thing John taught me that is not automotive related. And when's the best day to go shopping? I know he taught you that. You know, I know he said it before, but I don't listen sometimes because... He I hate shopping, so. Saturday during college football. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yep. <laughs> and if you're in Alabama, it's it's on on the iron day of the Iron Bowl. 
All right, John, how far off were we? Come on. I'm going to say I'll thank you guys. It's pretty good. Uh, I didn't realize I had that much of an impact on Will and his acceptance of other cars, but I'll blame Will, too. I don't understand hot rods. I don't understand street rods, and I still get the terms confused, and Will still yells at me about it. <laughs> but Will's the one who taught me the appreciation for the things, so I guess... We we've ex- we've exchanged that tolerance of each other and their our, our passions helped each other learn uh, each one. To 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 me, one of the cool things about the the Lotus deal is they're factory hot rods. You know, they they come from the factory ready to go. You know, they're going to handle great. They're going to drive great. So that that's one thing where we kind of, we kind of have that in common is. We're essentially taking older cars and making them handle and drive like new cars. And you're you're buying a performance vehicle from, you know, Lotus. We can kind of, I can kind of agree with that. Kind of. I mean, I know not all Lotuses where 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 race cars are are supposed to be a super high performance car. Lotus is built around performance and handling. Yes, and. I'll be honest, the, the Lotus thing plays key to a lot of stuff because, and I'm a little upset still with the Henry Ford, and Derek was showing me on the Mustang prototype, you know, the two-seat car that looks more like Speed Racer than a Mustang. That car was engine, co-engineered, and I learned this from Derek, that was co-engineered by Lotus and actually wore the Lotus Wobbly Web wheels originally. And it no longer does, but it still carries a Wobbly Web as a spare tire. And I was even thinking about that recently and going, you know, we ought to talk to the Henry Ford and give them a set of our wobbly, extra Wobbly Webs so that that car can be displayed correctly. Uh, it just kind of drives me crazy. I always want, want Lotus wherever Lotus can be. So there's just little, you know, little things that have brought us all together and, you know, interesting facts. You know, I've known Derek half as long as Will, and Derek's, all, I guess, I'm going to roll right into talking about Derek. Oh, man, John, look at that. We've 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 already reached the hour mark. I, we're going to have to end the podcast. Well, we only got about 30 seconds to talk about. <laughs> oh, all right. That's good. Yeah. Now, Derek's always, I I think it's weird. I think all three of us think of each other as helpful, even as total strangers. And I'll say it on the podcast, uh, and uh, Derek alluded to it. I visited Derek up at the Henry Ford because Derek had mentioned that there might be a position open there that I would be interested in. And I applied, and I went up, and I talked to him about it. It just wasn't going to work out in the end. I tell my bosses this, and I think I even said it on a TV interview once. And the people looked at me and said, you can't say that. I'm always looking for a job. <laughs> it helps helps me know I'm getting paid correctly. It gives you a lot of cool tours to a lot of museums that you never get into otherwise. I don't think I'll ever leave where I'm at, or it'll take a lot to make me leave. So I, I know my bosses are secure that I'm staying, and I think they kind of like that I do look around and it, you appreciate. But that that's, you know, one of the things Derek's done for me is, you know, if I do get frustrated with my job, he's kind of mentioned things or he's been there to help. His knowledge on everything is, you know, when he was visiting us, one of our Model T's encountered a problem. And, you know, he basically diagnosed it. And at some point, we might pay Derek to come down and fix it because he can probably fix it in a day. And we we kind of solved it by just buying another Model T. <laughs> but That's, That is actually a good way to do it. He's always opened his house. He's been very helpful. It's It kind of caught me off guard. I was thinking about doing the podcast and who would I want to do the podcast with. And I put a thing up on my personal Facebook and said, hey, I'm looking doing a, a car podcast. And I kind of had Will in the back of my mind. And then there was Derek I had just read about because they had just announced his new position at the National Corvette Museum. And I'm going, well, hey, you know, Derek might be good at this. He, you know, Ford guy and all that. And I did not realize Derek's extensive knowledge of pre-war cars. His passion was really that. And it's really complimented the podcast in that Derek's really good about 
pre pre forty stuff. I'm really good about the fifty, sixty, seventy sports car and you know eccentric oddities after after World War II. And Derek's really good about eccentric oddities. Period. And Will just kind of comes in because he doesn't. He's not as strict on restoration as Derek is, and he's not as or he's looser than I am and he just you know makes us three really good. Derek's one of those people that when I I'm giving his eulogy as I alluded to Wills earlier, I hope to have learned as much as he's forgotten in his life. You know, he's up there on knowledge and he kind of said it about me and yeah, I don't, I don't self-promote myself enough. I need to learn how to do that. That's one of my fault. I think Derek falls a little bit into that same game. He has his tactics and his ways, and they would be, they're a little bit different than mine. In the museum world, he's appreciated, he's known, and he deserves that, and he has a very good career ahead of him. As odd as it is, and, it, and I'm still amazed, and it still doesn't fit for me, I think the Corvette world's very privileged to have him for the time he's going to be in the Corvette world. Uh, just to see what he's done with that museum and how he's trying to open a Corvette collector's eyes, which is really hard to do. Corvette people are Corvette people, and we've alluded that sometimes they don't exactly understand some of the things Derek's doing. I think in the end, it'll cost him his job, but I think they're going to learn from it. We'll go ahead and let you go there, Will. Oh, Derek's a pretty good dude. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all right. I'll thanks, Will. <laughs> and, and Derek totally agrees with that statement. <laughs> done. Yeah, like Derek said earlier, you know, the first time we talked was on a three-way conference call with John. John had told me that Derek worked at the Corvette Museum and was the curator. I'm like, oh, okay, a Corvette guy, great. And it didn't take real long to figure out that Derek appreciates Corvettes, but his true passion is, you know, brass era, horseless carriage type stuff. Being that I went to McPherson, no interest at all in that type of stuff growing up as as a, as a young man, um, but understanding it a little bit more uh, at McPherson and still not... Uh, a high interest level for me getting to know john has made me more uh my curiosity of of horseless carriage and brass era cars and and how really opened my eyes to them of how they're really every one of them was hand built you know i mean and to be as knowledgeable as he is on those cars it blows my freaking mind because all of them were so freaking different. There were so many different manufacturers. Um, I thought I knew just about every car manufacturer there was. And it seems like every podcast, Derek's talking about some car that I'd never even heard of. And he knows everything about it. Not just that it was a car. I mean, what size motor it was, what size tires it had. I mean, all that stuff. John will probably agree with me on this. Derek is the smart one of the group. <laughs> So <laughs> as far as, as far as just general automotive history and, um, things like that, it's, 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 it's mind blowing to hear, hear him talk about that. And I, I cannot wait for the day that I get to go to old car festival and sit there and listen to him talk about every car that comes through there. Derek's definitely the smart one of the group probably knows more about general car anything than probably john and i put together he's very witty and has a dry sense of humor and it, it, if you ever get to meet him in person you you'll get to you'll get to see it even more than than on the podcast hopefully you watch his uh more mondays and you can you can get a little more sense of that but derek's a pretty pretty funny dude and uh uh, have really enjoyed, you know, our year and a half of pretty much every Wednesday. I know we've we've skipped some uh, over the last year and a half, but pretty much every every Wednesday, getting to chat with with Derek and uh, seems like I learned something new every time we talk, whether it's during the podcast or 
before the podcast or after the podcast and and the dude works extremely hard when y'all came down to take the paint booth down Derek's like oh we're gonna get it we're gonna get it out of the shop in a day and I'm like there ain't no way that is not gonna happen you you can't take that paint booth down in a day and the crazy thing is they left Bowling Green it was a Thursday right was it a Thursday y'all came down yeah, I believe it was Thursday. Yep. I think it was a Thursday. All right, so they left Bowling Green Thursday morning. All right, Bowling Green is four hours from Hoax Bluff, from the shop. So they left Bowling Green, got here. Of course, you know, we probably spent an hour, hour and a half just walking through the shop and, and looking at stuff and talking about stuff. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was about 7.30 or 8 o'clock. Y'all were done. And I was just like, there, there, I couldn't believe it, you know? So the only way you take a paint booth down in a day is, is you hustle. So that right there just proves Derek's a hard worker and willing to do what it takes to, to get the job done. Pretty accurate there, Derek. You guys suck. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, I think so. I, you know, John mentioned it. I'm, and, and everybody tells me it, I'm, I'm a horrible self promoter. I don't, I don't like talking about myself. I don't like self-promoting myself. Uh, well, that that made a lot of sense, self-promoting myself. I, I appreciate everything you guys said. I, you know, I try to work hard. I try to always do the best job I can. You know, John, you're you're probably right. I'm in the curatorial world, in the museum world, automotive museum world. Um, I'm I'm probably definitely one of the more um, outlandish curators um i i like to make people think and make people question things you know and and darn it i'm i'm gonna put non-corvettes out on display because there are vehicles out there that have important ties and important stories that relate to corvette history you know i'm gonna fight that battle as i have to but you know if we're gonna the way I look at it, if we're going to teach automotive history, we got to teach the good, bad, the ugly, and everything in between. You know, if I'm ever looking for work, you know, we'll do a little uh, resume hour on the podcast and maybe I can get a job. Like I said, I, I appreciate the the kind words and, uh, you know, I think, or at least I hope you guys uh, describe me as I am. And that's kind of what I hope to be. So um, I want to be somebody that is is respected and and not thought of as a bad person or someone that doesn't work hard or you know doesn't do what they need to do to get the job done and make the the hobby the profession whatever you know these things we talk about are um, I just want to make things better so dang and I had a smart comeback for you and it slipped my mind you know, I had another one towards Will, and I, I lost it, too. It just kind of slipped out of my mind. But something he said about me that I was going to, you know, be snarky about. Oh, oh, I know what it was. You see, you, there, John, you reminded me. Um, as he said, I'm the, you know, I'm labeled as the smart one of the group. Um, what he meant by that is um, <clears throat> back in high school, Will would have been the kid uh, that beat me up. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So you're saying I'm the bully? Sometimes. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Oh, Lord. No, I'd actually like to think if we all went to high school together, we probably would have been friends and gotten a lot of trouble with cars. So um, I'm sure that probably would have been the case. You know, I'm the only guy that, you know, in my class that, that graduated from Hoax Bluff. Um, that graduated from Hoax Bluff? Well, that, that's a that's that, impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the only guy that's ever graduated from Hoax Bluff. Um, that was really, you know, I mean, there was some guys that that liked cars and their dads was into cars, but you know, I'm the only one that that left out of there and took a career path in the automotive industry. Yeah, there's some of them that work at Honda, but that's you know, that's a little different. So yeah, I'm I'm sure we probably would have been pretty big buds. Well, I hope that was a different way for us to introduce ourselves. If you wanted to hear our self-introductions, you have to swing way back to episodes, really pre-episodes, A, B, and C, we'll call them. And we each do a little self-description and why why we are doing this. 
But for the new listeners, that's kind of some of the background there. I guess we really said who we are. And of course, since I have the editing duties here, it's going to be stupendous about me. All these compliments that I'll readjust to my side of the conversation. But I think with that, we are at about that, really about that hour mark right now. I'm going to let these guys go. We'll put together another exciting topic for next week, and we'll see who joins us. You guys good? Yes, sir. I am fantastic. Then I'm out of here. Later. Have a good night. <laughs>